Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Good morning, good morning. Do, 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 do. That was like my version. Oh, no, that's not true. Good morning, USA. No, no. Something, something, something. It's going to be a wonderful day. <laughs> There's my American Dad intro. You need American Mom? Yeah, my American Mom. You're so clever. What? What are you? What am I? Yes. Um, amazing. No, I mean like, oh. um, I know you're obviously not African, but like, what are you? Like, nationality? Yeah. Okay. So according to 23andMe, I'm mostly German and German? Irish. Irish? Mm-hmm. I'm like Italian. Italian? And... Yes. I am 0.3% African American. I'm, yeah, I was like, whoa, cool. All right, that's cool. I have a lot of things then. I thought you were American. American's not really. American just means, I guess that's like a hard, a loaded question, but American, we do have our culture, but it's not really like a nationality. America is where everybody can come. Like, all cultures come and live together. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I mean, that's my version of it. If anybody else has a better version, you guys can let us know. All right. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the Ninth, The Carnivorous Carnival. And by the way, I snoo- I, I, I planned on getting up at 5 o'clock this morning. Because the book I'm reading is, like, miserably, painfully boring. It's called The Maid. It's about a maid named Molly. And I'm just trying to finish it because it was $18. And it is the most boring book I've ever read. No, not the most boring, but pretty. Yeah, it's it's borderline there. I'm giving it a 1 out of 10 stars because it is so painful to read. And I'm trying to make myself finish it. But I couldn't get out of bed. Out of what? 1 star out of 5. Or even, you know what, 1 out of 10. It was just, it's just so boring. Anyways, okay, let's get to this. Chapter 2. Book the ninth. Chapter 2, eavesdropping, a word here which means listening in on an interesting conversation you are not invited to join, is a valuable thing to do, and it's often an enjoyable thing to do, but it's not a polite thing to do, and like most impolite things, you are bound to get in trouble if you get caught. The Baudelaire orphans, of course, had plenty of experience not getting caught, so the three children knew knew how to walk quietly as possible across the grounds of the Calgary Carnival, and how to crouch as invisibly as possible to stay outside the window of Madame Lulu's caravan. If you had been there that eerie blue evening, and nothing in my research indicates that you were, you wouldn't have heard an, even the slightest rustle from the Baudelaire's as they eavesdropped on their enemies. Count Olaf and his troop, however, were making plenty of noise, Madame Lulu, Count Olaf, was roaring as the children pressed up against the side of the caravan so that they would 
be hidden in the shadows. Madame Lulu, pour us some wine. Arson keeps arson and escaping. Arson and escaping from the authorities always makes me very thirsty. I prefer buttermilk served in a paper carton, Esme said. That's the new inn beverage. Oh my God. Buttermilk? Okay. Five glasses of wine and a carton of buttermilk coming up, please, answered the woman. In an accent the children recognized not so long ago when Esme Squalor had been the Baudelaire's caretaker. Olaf had disguised himself as a person who did not speak English. Oh, remember he was like, please. He always said, please. He did not speak English well as part of his disguise. He'd spoken in an accent very similar to the one we're hearing now. The Baudelaire's tried to peer through the window and caught a glimpse of the fortune teller, but Madame Lulu had shut her curtains tightly. Aww. Bummer, dude. I'm thrilled, pleased to see you, my Olaf. Welcome. Welcome to the caravan of mine. How is life for you? Oh, we've been swamped at work, the hook-handed man said, chasing a phrase, a man here using a phrase here, which means chasing after innocent children for quite some time. Those three orphans have been quite difficult to capture. Do not worry of the children, please, madam replied. My crystal ball will tell me that my tells me that my Olaf will prevail. If that means murder innocent children of one of those white-faced women said, then that's the best news we've heard all day. Prevail means Olaf... Wait, prevail means Olaf wins, Olaf said. But in my case, that's the same thing as killing the Baudelaire's. Exactly when the crystal ball... Exactly when does a crystal ball say I will prevail, said Lulu. Everybody, I think they just heard our neighbor. He has a big company, and he, he has, like, tons of semi-trucks. I see his semi-trucks everywhere, by the way. Also, last night, I think I saw the um, neighbor's truck down there. Mm-hmm, probably. Very soon, madam, very soon, please, Madam Lulu replied. What gifts have you brought me from your traveling, my Olaf? Well, let's see, Olaf replied. There's a lovely pearl necklace I stole from one of the nurses at Heimlich Hospital. You promised me I could have that, Esme said. Give her those crow hats that you snatched from the village of foul devotees. I'll tell you, Lulu, Olaf said. Your fortune abilities are amazing. I never would have guessed that the Baudelaire's were hiding out in that stupid town, but your crystal ball knew right away. Magic is magic, please, Lulu replied. More wine, my Olaf? Thank you, Olaf said. Now, Lulu, we need your fortune-telling abilities once more. The Baudelaire brats have slipped away again, the bald man said, and the boss was hoping that you would be able to tell us where they went. Also, the hook-handed man said, we need to know where the Snicket file is, and we need to know if one of the Baudelaire parents lived and survived the fire. Esme said, the orphans seem to think so, but your crystal ball will tell us for sure. I'd like some more wine, one of the white-faced women said. So many demands you make, Madame Lulu said in her strange accent. Madame Lulu remembers, please. Madame Lulu remembers, please, when you only visit the pleasure of, for the pleasure of my company, my Olaf. There isn't time for that tonight, Olaf replied quickly. Can't you consult your crystal ball right now? You know the rules of my crystal ball, my Olaf, Lulu said. At night, the crystal ball must be sleeping in the fortune-telling tent, and at, and at sunrise, you might ask one question. Then I'll ask my first question tomorrow, Olaf said, and we'll stay until questions are answered. Oh, my Olaf, Madame Lulu said. 
Please, times are very hard for my Calgary carnival. It is not a good business idea to have a carnival in Hinderland, so there are not many people to see Madame Lulu or Crystal Ball. Calgary carnival gift caravan has a lou- has lousy souvenirs, and Madame Lulu has none of freaks. Please, in the house of freaks. You visit my Olaf with troop and stay many days, drink my wine, and eat all of my snackings. The roasted chicken was very delicious, the hook handed man said. Madam Lulu, no money, please. Lulu continued, it is hard, my Olaf, to do fortune telling when you, when Madam Lulu is poor. The caravan of mine is leaky roof and Madam Lulu needs money. Please do repairs. I've told you before, Olaf said, once the Baudelaire's get their fortune of the, the carnival will have plenty of money. You said that the quagmire, you said that about the quagmire fortune, Olaf, Madame Lulu said, and the snicket fortune, but we have never, there's a snicket fortune too. (sighs) (laughs) Well, we know that some of the snickets are alive because the one writing this book is alive. Interesting. Uh, But, but never see a penny does Madame Lulu see. Never a penny does Madame Lulu see. We must think, please, of something to make Calgary carnival more popular madame lulu was hoping that the troop of my count olaf would put on a big show like the marvelous mirage where people would come and see my boss can't get up on stage the bald man said painting scheme paint planning schemes is a full-time job besides esme said i've retired from show business all of that all i want now is to be count olaf's girlfriend there was a silence, and the only thing the Baudelaire's could hear from Lulu's caravan was was the crunch of someone chewing on a chicken bone. Ew. The only no, gross. Then there was a long sigh, and Lulu spoke very quietly. You did not tell me, my Olaf, that Esme was a girlfriend of you. Perhaps Madame Lulu will not let you and your troop stay at the carnival of mine. Now, Lulu, Count Olaf said, and the children shivered as they eavesdropped. Olaf was talking in a tone of the vo- of voice that the Baudelaire's had heard many of times when he was trying to fool someone into thinking he was a kind, decent person. Even, even with the curtains closed, the Baudelaire's could tell that he was giving Madame Lulu a toothy grin and his eyes were shining brightly beneath that one eyebrow as if he was about to tell a joke. Did I ever tell you how I began, began my career? He probably said it like this. As an actor right? <laughs> it's a fascinating story, the hook-handed man said. It certainly is, Olaf agreed. Give me some more wine and I'll tell you. Now then, as a, chil- as a child, I was always the most handsome fellow at school. And one day, a young director, the Baudelaire's had heard enough. The three children had spent enough time with the villain to know that once he began talking about himself, he continued until the cows came home. A phrase here which means, until there was no more wine and they tiptoed away from Madame Lulu's caravan back towards Count Olaf's car so that they could talk without being overheard. In the dark of the night, a long black automobile looked like an enormous hole. Black, uh, uh, and the children felt as as if they were about to fall into it as they tried to decide what to do. Well, I guess we should leave, Klaus said certainly. It isn't, it's definitely not safe around here, but I don't know where we can, we can go in the Henderlands. There's nothing for miles and miles of 
but wilderness, and will he die of thirst or be attacked by wild animals? Violet looked around so quickly as if as if something were about to attack them that very moment, but the only wild animal in view was the painted lion on the carnival sign. Even if we found someone else out there, she said they'd probably think we were the murderers and call the police. Also, Madame Lulu promised to answer Olaf's question tomorrow morning. This is two pages. Tomorrow morning, you don't you don't think Lulu's crystal ball really works, do you? Klaus said. I've never really I've never read any evidence that, that fortune telling is real. Well, but Madame Lulu keeps count telling Olaf where we are. Violet pointed out she must be getting information from someplace if she can find out the location of the Snicket file or learn if one of them is one of her parents is alive. Her voice trailed off, but she did not finish the sentence. All the Baudelaire's knew was that finding out if someone survived the fire was worth the risk of staying nearby. Stand over, Sunny said, which meant so we're staying. We should at least try and stay the night, Klaus agreed, but where can we hide? We don't even. We can't, if we don't stay out of sight, someone is likely to recognize us. Carnies, oh, Carnies, Sunny said. The people in those caravans work for Madame Lulu, Klaus said. Who knows if they'd help us or not? I have an idea, Violet said, and walked over to the back of Count Olaf's car with a creak. She opened the trunk again and leaned in, down inside. Nuts, Sunny said, which meant, I don't think this is such a good idea, Violet. Sunny's right, Klaus said. Olaf and her henchmen might come back any minute now and unpack the trunk. We can't hide in there. We're not going to hide in there, Violet said. We're not going to hide at all. After all, Olaf and his troop never hide. They manage not, and they manage not to be recognized. We're going to disguise ourselves. Grohaba, Sunny said. Why wouldn't that work, Violet said. Olaf wears disguises and he manages to fool everyone. If we fool Madame Lulu and into thinking that we're somebody else, we can stay around and find the answers to our questions. It seems risky, Klaus said. But I suppose it's just as risky as staying, is trying to hide someplace we should, we should, trying to hide someplace we should, we should pretend to be. Hold on, sorry guys. Ugh, okay. Let's look through the disguises, Violet said, and see if we get any ideas. We'll have to fill them through, Klaus said. It's too dark in here anyways. The Baudelaire stood in front of the open truck and reached inside to begin their search. I'm sure you know, whenever you're examining someone else's belonging, you are bound to learn interesting things about that person, of which you were not previously aware. You might examine some letters that your sister received recently, for instance, and let them and learn that she was planning on running away with an archduke. Archduke? Crumbum. You might examine the suitcase of another passenger on a train and but, 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 you are taking and learn that he has been secretly photographing you for the past six months. I recently took the I recently looked in the refrigerator of one of my enemies and learned she was a vegetarian, or at least pretending to be a vegetarian, or had a very vegetarian visiting her for a few days. And as the Baudelaire orphans examined some of the objects in Olaf's trunk, they learned a great deal of unpleasant things. Violet found a part of a brass lamp she remembered living from Uncle Monty and learned that Olaf had stolen from her poor guardian in addition to murdering him. Klaus found a large shopping bag in the boutique and learned that Esme Squalor was just, an obsessed fas- as, just as obsessed with fashionable clothing as she was ever. And Sunny found a pair of pantyhose covered in sawdust and learned that Count Olaf was, had not washed his receptionist disguise since he used it last. But the most dismaying thing that the children learned 
and searching the trunk of Olaf's car was just how many disguises he had at his disposal. They found a hat Olaf used to disguise himself as a ship captain, the razor he had probably used to shave his head in order to resemble a lab assistant. They found he was a lab assistant? Mm. Not yet? No, I think he met, they met um, to write, um, Uncle Monty's assistant. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. They f- Uncle Monty's lab assistant, probably then. They found the expensive running shoes he had worn to disguise himself as a gym teacher and the plastic ones he had used when he was pretending to be the detective. But the siblings also found plenty of costumes that they'd never seen before, and it seemed as though Count Olaf could keep it keep on disguising himself forever, following the Baudelaire's on location after location, always appearing with new a new identity and never getting caught. We could disguise ourselves as almost anybody, Violet said. Look, here's a wig that makes me look like a clown, and here's one that makes me look like a judge. I know, Klaus said, holding up a large box with several drawers. It appears to be a makeup kit, this complete with fake mustache, fake eyebrows, and even a pair of glasses. Tweet Joe, Sonny said, holding up a bag, oh, holding up a long veil. No, thank you. I already had to use a veil once when Olaf nearly married me. I'd rather not wear it again. Besides, besides... What would a bride be doing wandering around in the hinderlands? Look at this robe, Klaus said. It looks like something a rabbi would wear, but I don't know if Madame Lulu would believe that we're a rabbi or that a rabbi would be visiting in the middle of the night. Gino, Gina wins, Sunny said, using her teeth to wrap a pair of sweatpants around it. Around her, the young, youngest Baudelaire meant something like, all these clothes are too big for me, and she was right. That's even bigger than the than the pinstripe suit Esme bought you, Klaus said, helping his sister get disentangled. No one would believe a pair of sweatpants walking up to the carnival by itself. All these clothes are too big, Violet said. Look at this beige coat. If I tried to disguise myself, I'd only look like freakish. <gasps> freakish, Klaus said. That's it. What's it, Sunny said. Madame Lulu said that she didn't have enough freaks in her house of freaks. If we find a disguise that makes us look freakish... Uh, and we tell Lulu that we're looking for work. She might hire us as part of the carnival. I read in a book, but what exactly do freaks do? Violet asked. I read in a book about a man named John Merritt, Klaus said. He had a horrible birth defect that made him look terribly deformed. Carnival put him on display as part of the house of freaks, and people paid money to go into a tent to look at him. Why would people want to look at somebody with weird birth defects? Violet asked. It sounds cruel. Well, it was cruel, Klaus said. The crowd often threw things at Mr. Merrick and called him names. I'm afraid the House of Freaks isn't a pleasant form of entertainment. You'd think someone would put a stop to it, Violet said, but you'd think somebody would put a stop to Count Olaf. Around around then, by the Radov, she meant... Wait, what? Oh, Radov, Sunny said with a nervous look. Around them. By Radov, she meant someone, somebody's going to put a stop to us if we don't disguise ourselves soon. And her siblings nodded solemnly in agreement. Here's some kind of fancy shirt, Klaus said. It's covered in ruffles and bows. And here's an enormous pair of pants with fur cuffs. Could both of us wear them at once, Violet asked? Both of us, Klaus asked? I suppose so, if we kept our eyes. If we cut our clothes underneath so Olaf would fit. So Olaf's would fit. We could each stand in one leg and tuck the other inside. We'd have to learn, lean against each other as we walk, but I think that it might work. And we could do the same thing when we wear the shirt, Violet said. We could put one arm through each sleeve to make it and make the others tucked in, but we wouldn't 
but we couldn't hide our one of our heads, Klaus pointed out, with both of our heads poking out the top we'd look like some like some sort of <gasps> two-headed person violet finished a two-headed person is exactly a house of freaks would what a house of freaks would put on display a good thinking klaus said people won't be on the lookout for a two-headed person but we'll need to dis- we'll need to disguise our faces too the makeup kit will take care of that violet said mother taught me how to draw fake scars on my face when she appeared in the play to be a murderer and here Here's a can of talcum powder, Klaus said. We can use this to whiten our hair. Do you think Count Olaf will notice these things are missing from his trunk, Violet asked. I doubt it, Klaus said. The trunk isn't very well organized, and I don't think he's used to some of these disgu- used some of these disguises for a long time. I think we can take enough to become a two-headed person without Olaf missing it. Bereu, Sunny said. What about me? The disguises are made for fully grown people, Violet said, but I'm sure we can find you something. Maybe we could fit inside these shoes. Maybe you could fit inside one of these shoes and be a person with just a head and a foot. That's plenty freakish. <gasps> Shellish, Sunny said, which meant something along the lines of, I'm too big to fit in a shoe. That's true, Klaus said. It's been a while since you were shoe-sized. He reached inside the trunk and pulled out something in a short, short and hairy as if he caught, as if he had caught a raccoon. This might work, he said. It, I think it's a fake beard that Olaf used to wear when he was pretending to be Stefano. It's a long beard, so it might work as a short disguise. Let's find out. Let's find out, Violet said, and let's, let's find out quickly. The Baudelaire's found out quickly. In just a few minutes, the children found out just how easy it was to transform themselves into entirely different people. Violet and Klaus and Sunny had had some experience in disguising themselves, of course. Klaus and Sunny had to use medical coats at Heimlich Hospital to plan a rescue to visit Violet. And even Sunny could remember all three siblings had occasionally worn costumes for their own amusement back when they lived in the Baudelaire mansion with their parents. But this time, the Baudelaire orphans felt more like Count Olaf and his troop as they worked quietly and hurriedly in the night to erase all of the traces of their true identity. Violet felt as though Violet felt through the makeup kit until she found several pencils that were normally used to make one's eyebrow more dramatic. And even though it was simple, simple and painless to draw on scars, draw scars on Klaus's face, it felt as if she was breaking the promise she made to her parents a very long time ago that she kept that she would always keep her siblings safe and away from harm. Klaus helped Sunny wrap herself in Olaf's fake beard, but when she but when he saw her eyes, the tips of her teeth came peeking out of the mass of scratchy hair. It felt as if his baby sister had turned into some tiny, hungry animal. And as Sunny helped her siblings button themselves into a fancy shirt and sprinkle the talcum powder in their hair to turn it gray, the three Baudelaire's looked at one another carefully, but it was, sh- but it was as if they were no Baudelaire's at all. Just two strangers with with two heads and the other one just two strangers one with two heads and the other with a head that was covered in fur all alone all alone in the hinderlands i think that we look utterly unrecognizable klaus said turning with difficulty to face his sister maybe it's because i took off my glasses but to me we don't look anything like ourselves will you be able to see without your glasses violet asked if i squint klaus said squinting i can't read like this but I'm not bumping, but I'm not bumping into things. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no way. Hold on. Oops. 
I'm looking to see how many more pages. Oh, good, good, good. good. Okay. I rec- uh, things, if I keep them on, Count Olaf will probably recognize me. Then you'd better keep them off, Violet said, and I'll stop wearing a ribbon in my hair. We'd better, better disguise our voices, too, Klaus said. I'll try to speak as high as I can, and and why don't you try and speak in low in a low voice, Violet said. Good idea. And Sunny, you should probably just growl. Grr, Sunny tried. Oh, you sound like a wolf, Violet said, practicing her disguised tone. Let's tell Madame Lulu that you're half wolf, half person. That would be a miserable experience, Klaus said in the highest voice that he could manage. But I suppose being born with two heads wouldn't be any easier. We'll explain to Lulu that we've had miserable experiences, but now we're hoping things will get better working at the carnival, Violet said. That's one thing that we don't have to pretend. We have had a miserable we have had miserable experiences and we are hoping that things get better. We're almost as freakish as we're pretending to be. Don't say that, Klaus said, and and then remembered his new voice. Don't say that. What does his voice sound like in in the show? Um, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Don't say that, he said, a pitch much higher. We're not freaks, we're just still the Baudelaire's, and even if we're wearing Olaf's disguises. I know, Violet said, but it's a little confusing pretending to be somebody completely different. Grr, Sunny growled in agreement, and the three children put the rest of Count Olaf's things back in the trunk and walked in silence to Madame Lulu's caravan. It was awkward for Violet and Klaus to walk in the same pair of pants. (sighs) And Sunny had to keep an eye keeps had sunny had to keep wait sunny had to keep stopping to brush her beard out of her eyes it was confusing pretending to be completely different people particularly because it had been so long since the Baudelaire's were able were able wait were able to be the people that they really were oh that's sad Violet and Klaus and Sunny did not think of themselves as the sort of children and high tr- that who hide in trunks and of automobiles or who wore disguises or who tried to get jobs as the house of freaks but the siblings could scarcely remember when they had been able to relax and do things they liked to do best it seemed ages since violet had been able to sit around and think of inventions instead of frantically building something to get out of trouble klaus could barely remember the last book he read for his own enjoyment instead of researching to defeat count olaf's schemes and sunny had been had used her teeth many many times to escape from difficult situations but it had been quite a while since she had bitten something recreationally as the baudelaire youngsters approached the caravan it seemed as if each awkward step took them further and further from their own real lives the baudelaires had to disguise themselves as carnival freaks it was indeed confusing confusing when when sunny knocked on the door of madame lulu and she called out who's there for the first time in their lives it was a confusing question we're freaks, Violet answered in her disguised voice. We're three, I mean two freaks, looking for work. The door opened with a creak and the children got their first look of Madame Lulu. She was wearing a long, shimmering robe that seemed to change colors when she moved and the turban that looked very much like the t- turban Count Olaf had worn at Proofrock Preparatory School. She had dark piercings with two dramatic eyebrows hovering suspiciously where she had looked them over. Oh, so, okay, as she looked them over. Behind her, sitting in a small round table, were Count Olaf, Esme Squalor, and Olaf's comrades, who all were staring at the youngsters curiously, as if those curious eyes weren't enough. There were one more gazing at the Baudelaire's, a glass eye attached to the chain around Madame Lulu's neck. The eye matched one painted, 
The eye matched the one painted on her caravan. Oh, here's another truck. <laughs> There's so many. The eye matched the one painted on the caravan and the ta- um, and the one tattooed on Count Olaf's ankle. It was an eye that seemed to follow the boat alerts everywhere they went, drawing deeper and deeper into the troublesome misery of their lives. Walk- <laughs> yeah. Walk in, please, Lulu said in her strange accent, and the disguised children obeyed. As freakishly as they could, the Baudelaire orphans walked in rather than taking a few steps, only taking a few steps closer to all of those staring eyes, and a few steps further, their lives, a few steps further from the lives they were leaving behind. All right, well, there you go. They're going to be freaks. Oh, that's kind of fun. I love circusy, creepy, like dark, spooky things. I think it's interesting and intriguing and fun. Love, love. All right. Bye-bye. Can you say bye-bye? Bye. Bye.